0: Okay, so door open.
1: Did he hit record? Yep. Okay. Okay.
0: <sighs> All right, honey, I'm. Why is the Angus on my couch?
1: Oh, oh, uh, hey, 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 Natalia, uh, the master? About- doesn't
2: have a throne here.
0: <laughs> well. Yeah, he could sit on the toilet, but I'd hate to see what he'd do to that after what you did last week.
2: Ah,
3: Natalia, welcome home. I wanted to tell you something. It was a very interesting proposition.
0: It usually is with you.
3: I make tons of money now. I am a district manager for security for Taj. Well, whoop
0: de do for you.
3: I am making the tens of thousands of dollars, nearly in the six figures.
0: Um, I don't live with you for good reason.
3: I would like to claim domicile here.
0: No, I already have Bobbert living in my study. Tight enough with the two bedroom plus a den apartment I have.
3: Listen, I have the perfect idea. We shall build two bunk beds. We shall sleep with your child. No. I demand so. No. Do you not know what it is like living with
1: that doctor here? Hey, sure whoa, hey, sure whoa, 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 whoa. What it's like living with me? Do you want to know what it's like living with you? Listen, I have It
2: is f- glorious to live with the Master.
1: I have protected you. I have
3: saved you from lots of heartache, lots of deadly forces. And I have also helped you build a stronger relationship with your Dr. Cage. I hate Dr. Cage. That's- see, they had to start. First you were enemies, now you're just at the bottom level, hatred level. See, you're building the steps here.
0: Oh, boy. I am- You know what? I'm going to my fridge. I'm getting some wine. Didn't think I would have to deal with this tonight. But apparently, I do. But I would also like to let you know that I possibly may not be living here much longer, as long as you two- Find out a place for him to live.
1: I mean, when Jay Vendrick gets back, we can possibly have him live with him.
0: Okay, well, you know what? Me and my child are probably seeking other living arrangements.
3: By the way,
1: Doctor, why is it that you put this movie in? Oh, catch me if you can. I figure... With all the movies we've been covering, I figured we could use a refreshing pace and and have a fun, lighthearted movie to watch.
0: I mean, that's my copy, but you can have it. Um, No no love lost with this movie. So you can just go ahead and take it home, do your podcasty thing. One second, I
3: gotta go check on PJ. Quick, while she's distracted, we shall go, we shall eat the child.
1: Nope, no, no. Angus. Barbert, come and join no, me. No, don't eat the child.
2: Well, we should,
1: we should take I her I wine. No, I can hear you,
0: I am with said child.
1: Don't eat
2: the child. Bobbert will go to the fridge, we will use the wine as a sacrifice.
3: Or we could use the wine to marinate the child, nope. keep it in the fridge. Well, no, I can hear you. Nope, don't,
1: don't, don't marinate the child in wine. I feel like that's illegal. You're right. We need some
3: crushed red pepper too.
1: No, no, don't get her all glossy on me,
0: Doctor Jeremiah. I feel like this is the point of the night where I kick y'all out.
3: Uh, Nonsense, Natalie. I have a perfect idea. Why don't you join us for an episode?
0: Are you going to try and murder my son?
3: I won't if we could borrow your podcasting equipment. Uh,
0: you know, I'm trying to practice with it to start my own podcast. Ah,
3: oh, perfect. What a wonderful opportunity.
1: What better way to gain experience? By getting the experience on my show.
0: I hate you.
1: No, you don't. You love me.
0: You're right. I love you. I hate them. <clears throat>
1: Coming at you live from Lady Attenborough's lovely apartment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another episode of the Dr. P.F. Jeremiah and his Infernal Roommate podcast. Dr.
3: Jeremiah, why do you sound like that? Do you have a
0: frog in your throat? I was about to ask, are you trying to sound like if Matthew McConaughey was hosting a hip-hop radio? Um,
1: I was just trying to add a little levity and amusement. Oh, look, a frog.
3: Nope. Wait, will I
0: make this? Oh, there's a frog.
1: Wow, I literally had a frog in my throat. I wonder where that came from.
0: I wonder why.
1: I will call him. <laughs> what was that? A blade from Bobbert to kill the frog. Ah! I was going to name him Mr. Giggles. Bobbert!
0: That. <laughs> It's my dining room table you just stabbed for the fifth time this month.
2: Stop having food on it.
0: Listen, if you are going to make messes, if you're going to dissect your food all over my apartment, you know, the least you can do is to clean up after yourself. <laughs> I've had this discussion with you so many times. You're messing my table. You're turning my toilet into a cauldron. i or- <sighs>
1: wait 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 like a actual legit cauldron or just a there was meta- smoke
0: and fire coming out of it
1: oh i thought they were just making a metaphor for his poop
0: <sighs> that too
1: so wait are we eating poop here as well no 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 no, no. here at the dr pf jeremiah and his infernal roommate podcast we do not condone the consumption of human feces Anyway, this has been quite awkward and very uncomfortable, so to cut through this tension like a thick knife through butter, I'm your host, Dr. P.F. Jeremiah. W- while welcoming back one wonderful guest and kind of a unfortunate side person that kind of scares me, I have to my side the wonderful Natalia Attenborough.
0: Hello, I am Natalia Attenborough. The Intern, and I'm alright with having that title. And I'm somehow, once again, on this show with my nemesis.
3: And of course, Bobbitt is your nemesis, I understand. But let me introduce my faithful servant, the almighty, powerful warlord of the Infernal Realm. One of the most darkest, one of the most evil generals in my command. I would like to introduce to you the demon whose name is unpronounceable, so we decided to call him Bobbot.
4: My name is Bobot. I am the general army of the army of death. Act. I am here to serve my master, stuck in this puny realm, dealing with all your morals. I am also the manager of the toy department
3: of the Taj who is also secretly the manager of asset protection for Tajay. He is helping me implant the spiders and all of the toys that the little children might steal. And if anyone, anyone dares try to steal my toys, they will be eaten by the spiders.
0: Not much of a secret if you're saying it on a podcast.
2: Shut up, Natalia. People, We, we think- can get rid of her too, master.
1: No, 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 uh-huh. no, no, no. As I've stated, we will but, keep no. the
2: baby and raise it as our own.
0: <laughs> Listen, Morta. No. Also, you have tried to kill me twice this week. Both attempts have failed. I will have you know that apparently I'm invulnerable to your magic and your magic. Thank God. I wish I could help you, Dr. Jeremiah, but I doesn't go past me and my son.
1: And as always, finally... And last but not least, my wonderful co-host.
0: Wonderful's a word for him. I am Angus the Deadman, future ruler of your world.
4: The appreciative one towards my comrade Bobbitt, the slayer of mortals, the summoner of prongs, the protector of all tarjay assets. And I will tell you this, there is something coming, a force to be reckoned with, and nothing,
1: nothing will save you at all. Well, that's a little mean to say about Dave Matthews coming to the Saratoga Performing Arts Center. I mean,
0: how did you see the traffic the last time Dave Matthews came to this area? It's, it's fair.
1: But it feels like it's a little mean to say Dave Matthews is going to bring bring hell on Earth. Listen! We will go to your David
3: Matthews at some point, but right now we must focus on our podcast.
1: Why, yes there, Angus. Today on the show, we will be reviewing the 2002 Based on a True Story comedy drama Catch Me If You Can. So, Doctor, obviously she has this digital
3: video device here.
1: DVD player.
3: Digital video device. DVD
1: player, Angus.
3: I am not listening to you right now. Natalia, will you please put this disc in?
0: Here we go.
1: Hey, that's my line. When the master of deception, Frank Abagnale Jr., duped people into believing he was an airline pilot, a doctor, and a lawyer, while also being one of the world-renowned check forgers, all before he finished high school, now on the run from FBI agent, Carl Handratty witnessed one of the greatest cat-and-mouse globe-trotting criminal manhunts of all the sixties. So to all the members of the Cult of the Death Hand, let's review Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Christopher Walken, Amy Adams, Martin Sheen, and directed by the great Steven Spielberg.
3: And I must say, Doctor, this movie was okay. Just OK. The reason why I just say OK was because, obviously, someone was just trying to make this into an artful masterpiece, but really, it was just a cash grab.
0: I wouldn't say it was a cash grab. This movie is definitely what we would call here in our realm, an artur cinema piece, where it's literally made to win awards.
1: Oh, you mean Oscar bait?
0: Oscar bait. Nah.
1: And aren't your Oscars another way to
3: get financial opportunities for your movies? Uh, it
1: it helps out. Mostly it helps out during DVD sales when uh when it gets released.
0: DVD sales the first year. But like Oscars is just more of Hollywood just going around and patting themselves on the back saying, Aren't we fantastic? Look at this film that we made.
3: Bob it. Tell me something. You saw this movie with us. What were your thoughts?
2: I was hoping I'd meet this Abigail person. We need him for our army.
3: Dr. Jeremiah, this name is hard to pronounce. May we call Frank Abigail?
1: I mean, for the easy for the easier part for you guys. Yeah. For me, Natalia, we'll call him by his proper name, Abignail. A big nail? No, no. Mm-hmm. A- Abignail. A big nail. A big nail. I'm not
0: talking about my last ex.
1: He had a big nail? In more ways than one.
0: Ayo! Oh,
1: Oh, boy. Now, before we get started on the discussion of this movie, I want to show a small appreciation for the introduction credits scene. Normally, you don't really pay much attention to that. But they throw in a nice little... They throw in a nice, lovely animation sequence with really lovely music. Although, to be fair, when your music's scored by John Williams, you're always going to get great music.
0: I mean, yeah, John Williams is probably one of the composers where you're always going to get something really great from. But, like, yeah, no, I I loved the opening credits scene, mainly because, like, it kind of reminds you of cinema of older <clears throat> times. And, like, around the 2000s, you had more people doing these very artistic opening. Because also, uh, Incredibles and Monsters, Inc. both had very beautiful, very well-scored opening credits like this, too. And they were around the same time.
3: My question is, what drugs were they on? I've learned that artistic talent comes from when people are doing your marriage, Juana.
0: That is not true, Angus.
1: Well, to be fair, if this is more of a movie based on the 60s, so if they're really wanting to method, probably acid.
0: Yeah, most likely.
1: I found it too cartoonish.
0: You uh. would.
3: <laughs> <coughs> all like you have never seen cartoons. What have you been watching? He's...
2: I don't know. The, the kid watches stuff. Yes. And it's he... on all the time.
0: Listen, my son is four.
1: When I was four I was killing boar.
0: Well, we don't need to kill boar here here, Bobert.
1: We don't it's this is New York, there are no boars here.
0: Well, there are boars. It's Professor Williams in room three hundred and twelve in the mm. arts building.
1: Yeah, he's a creep. You need to stay away from him.
0: I've been trying.
1: So Doctor, <laughs> I would like to go over the
3: beginning. Why is it that the parents for Frank Abigail? Just seem to not give him the time of day at points. The father is too worried about his schemes. The mother, she is cheating. Why? What is the point?
1: Well, I mean, she left Christopher Walken for James Brolin. That's usually kind of a step up.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't have wanted to say Mary to Christopher Walken.
3: And what is wrong with
1: your Walken?
0: I mean, nothing's wrong if you're okay with hearing this all the
1: time. Poor little mice fell into a bucket of cream first mouse gave up and eventually drowned the second mouse he swam so hard that he churned that cream mm. into butter i would like to say on this day i am that second mouse thank you very much vomit <laughs> get your flaming sword out these two are acting very ridiculous i think they should die <laughs> me too why do take you take the apartments Why do you want to kill us when we're just doing delightful Christopher Walken impersonations? You
0: asked what it would be like to, why Mm. someone would want to leave Christopher Walken. This is why.
1: I played. I had to sit
2: through the movie to
1: listen to that voice. I I played a monkey (laughs) in a movie and I didn't change anything about my voice. And it was still amazing. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, be do. You humans disgust me. I want to be like you, ooh, ooh. Is the Death Hand? <laughs> I want to walk like you,
0: talk like you. The best part about this, listeners, is that we are annoying Angus and Bobbert, which never happens, despite I... them being the bane of our existence. No, you just
1: make it hard to get words in. <laughs> I, Christopher Walken, want to be your first celebrity endorser Jeremiah, I will tell you
4: this you too, Miss Attenborough. We do not stop talking like this. I will summon more than just one walking monkey to devour you. I will summon at least 20 fat bones to eat your flesh, your bones, your organs. And I will take the child. And I will personally raise it as my own, to be my future ruler of your own world.
2: Robert! Wow! No! Oh! You must stop harassing the
1: master!
3: You two are annoying!
1: Hi Pot, you're Hi Pot, I'm Kettle. Nice to meet you. At least. I have other
3: things I wish to discuss. Oh, really? Like what? Let's go back to the original conversation. What kind of person just abandons their child's needs, their parents? Could they have not waited until he was at least 18 and out of the house, give them a proper child raising, and also, he would not have become a criminal. He would have just stayed home. He would have went to his college. He would have lived his average, ordinary life. They could have kept their average 60s air quotations home.
0: Well, first off, in, in the defense of the parents, when the marriage started crumbling, they did try to get have him pick which one he he wanted to live with, which one would have custody of him. He was the one who so overwhelmed by the situation, like, any kid would be in that situation ran away just ran off
1: and to be perfectly honest for the sheer fact that two uh, married couple in the 60s was actually willing to go through a divorce even though back then a divorce was basically stigmatized as the most evil thing on the planet at that time was kind of actually very refreshing and surprising
0: i mean it's also we have to put I don't know much about the real life story of Frank Abagnale, so I don't know if this is all true, but like the fact that they were willing to admit that after the scandal of the IRS that the two of them, the marriage wasn't working anymore and they were going to divorce. is like it's very mature of the parents of that situation.
3: But the stress... Why would you just force the child to live with only one parent? Why not do split custody?
0: So, so nowadays, there is custody arrangements. I mean, I have a custody arrangement with (laughs) my son's father. Not that it works fantastically, but I'm not here to talk about that situation.
3: He's a deadbeat dad. May we eat the deadbeat dad.
0: You see, I don't even know where the deadbeat dad is.
3: Bobbitt, you and I are going on a hunting mission. We shall find this deadbeat dad. Dad, we shall eat his caucus. If
0: you, guys, if you guys can locate him, that would be fantastic. He just basically, he shows up for nine months. He's the most amazing father and partner and boyfriend. And then he disappears for six months to a year. And then he shows up again. So like, yeah, find him for me. Figure out what the heck is going on. I'd love to know this.
1: And he also stole one of my lime green jackets. I'd really like that pack
0: he's stolen a couple of
2: things. Doctor, how how hard is it to become a con man like Mr. Abigail? I'm, it seemed, in the movie, it seemed it was really easy.
1: I mean, I'm not one to know what it takes to be a good flim-flam man, but I feel like it takes at least years of practice and to quote a D&D line to completely max out your charisma levels. And but was
2: he not just... 15
1: at the time. I will agree that he did pick up this competent game very, very quickly at, at a very young age. Uh, almost very naturally.
0: But I wonder if also part of that, at least in the film, once again, I, I don't know much about the real-life uh, man behind this character, but in the film, it kind of shows that his father was schmarmy and, like, used his charisma to get things. <clears throat> so I wonder almost if, like, the reason why he started so young is you have someone in, in your home who is modeling these behaviors for you. So you kind of go after this model behavior.
1: Angus. <clears throat> That's your name, right, Angus? Tell me something. Is this yours? Must have slipped right off your neck. Tell me something there, doctor. Why is it that you have my rib right now? Well, well, as you see, I'm trying to lull you into a false sense of security so that way you can let me in and I could talk you into giving me what I need. So you're
3: trying to tell me that you want to get into my insides, Doctor? What kind of deranged man are you?
1: Well, to be Uh, honest, I've seen your insides. There's not really very much there apart from a fishbowl to catch your food. Dr. Jeremiah,
3: I will send you to the same farm as Grace! obviously you need to do some farm work yourself
1: yeah um i don't think the farm grace is at is the same farm that i would be going at but yeah yeah totally totally yeah the same farm grace is at I, right, we can send you there now are you ready for a venture there Bobbit? no 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 Ah oh, yes, master.
0: I, I mean, if if it means you guys will get out of my apartment, so I can sit here in my misery of being stood up, yeah, sure, go.
3: Who stood you up?
0: I'd rather not talk about it.
1: Natalia,
3: please come here. Let me file your nails.
0: No no, no,
1: no, no. No, 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 no. I insist. She had a date with uh She had a date with a young intern herself. Tell the Death Hand all about it. Who was it?
3: Who must I slay?
0: I once again tried to get back together with PJ's dad and he didn't show up again.
1: <sighs> Why do you keep going back to that man? I, didn- I never understand. He showed up
0: out of the blues, talking about all sorts of crazy things. And uh, Bobbert was here. Bobbert saw him and then he saw Bobbert and then. He wanted me to meet him up tonight, and he never showed.
1: Look, I get it. He has dreamy eyes, and he has long, curly hair, and as you stated, quote, he's packing a pistol. I don't know what that means.
0: Enough of my my personal life. And back onto the movie, because I need to focus on something that isn't my Jai Courtney lookalike baby daddy. (sighs) One of the things about this movie that really gets me too is... Some of these big names that you see before they were massive. I mean, you two won't be much help, but like you see Amy Adams and she looks like a teenager.
1: Yeah, I was one of the things that I was always very kind of interested, like kind of fascinated. I know this was kind of like Amy Adams' big break in the movie business. And it was really funny that Leonardo DiCaprio at the time was 28 years old, but still manages to pull off being a 15, 16 year old. I don't know how old Amy Adams was at the time of this movie, but I'm going to assume she was playing someone probably in her beginning 20s, but looked like a 15 year old girl as well.
0: She literally looked like me in middle school. And it was like, it's so crazy because I was just watching Disenchanted and now you're looking at her on screen you're like, my god, you're a baby!
3: (laughs) Your checking system back then, you have the utmost importance of security. How is it that you were able to falsify these documents with just taking a piece of paper, taking some stickers off your planes and just bring these checks in and just cash them for money?
1: Well, Angus, because back in the 60s, they didn't really have the securities and all the protections that checking does nowadays where a 15-year-old kid could just forge a check by just putting stickers on a payroll check, make it look as realistic as possible by typing it on a typewriter, and bam, you have a fake check.
3: And yet that you people are somehow able to trace who is making these fake paper checks? How is it that you are doing this?
1: Well, Angus, it's the magic of the FBI and their amazing check frauding administration is the ones that helped defeat this evil ne'er-do-well Frank Abagnale Jr.
2: Doctor, oh yes, is it still easy to do this check thing again?
1: No, it's kind of hard nowadays to forge a check because, like I said, now there's so many protections and there's so many fail-safes and so many ways to find out if this check is counterfeit that it's almost kind of borderline impossible to do it. And secondly, most people don't really pay with checks anymore. So if you do, people are already going to assume that something's fishy going on.
0: I can tell you as someone who knows someone who works in a bank that there are technologies and there are all sorts of things and a whole protocol that they do to go through to check said to check checks. They they literally have like a multi-step process to do any of this now. So but, it's not as easy as it was in the 60s.
3: But of course, there are other ways to obtain the money that you wish. You could fake your cash. You can also rob a bank. Which is what we are planning to do after we leave. No, 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 no,
0: no. no. we do not endorse this on the Dr. P.F. Jeremiah show. Sorry to steal your <laughs> mind, Doctor, but I just want to put this out there for impressionable young children.
3: But, Natalia, there was this movie I just saw. It was right here. It's called... How to Rob a Bank and Get Away With It.
1: Uh, I don't remember this movie.
0: Do you mean Money Heist?
3: No. How to Rob a Bank and Get Away With It.
0: Oh my god, Carrie Cruz is in this movie. Why have I never seen this?
1: I don't know. Nasta, we must watch that movie. I'm actually kind of curious about that. Yeah, I think we should do that. Let us watch this for the next episode of our podcast.
0: I I I think think now we're going to have to watch this movie
3: i was not expecting anyone to actually want to watch this movie
1: well i thought you were pulling my leg angus and then it turns mm-hmm. out it's actually true
0: yeah i did not even recall owning this movie or who owned this movie now i'm surprised that it exists now i have
3: plans Boblet, join me dr jeremiah join me we shall watch this movie back at your place dr jeremiah we shall learn how to acquire money from this bank
1: We're we're not robbing a bank. We are robbing the bank. No, we're not. Robbing the bank. No, we're not. Dr. Jeremiah,
4: we will be robbing this bank. There is no... We're not doing it. We are robbing this bank as the masters predicted.
1: Natalia, I was with you the entire time. She will be helping too. No, no, I
0: will not. Someone
1: has to stay here. She is now a
2: accessory to the fact. Nevertheless,
3: we are robbing the bank. No, we're
1: not. One of the things that I wanted to bring up from this movie was really the whole con artist, uh, debonair, deceptor of Frank Jr. pretending to be all these world-renowned, top-tier, very eligible ladies' man careers of being a pilot, being a doctor, and being a lawyer. It It was really kind of amazing how he was able to basically BS his way through all these gigs by just... And this was before the internet, folks. So he was just basically mimicking stuff that he's seen on TV. By the way, don't mimic stuff at TV. You see on TV, boys and girls, those are prof- professional actors. Don't try that. Any stuff at
0: home.
3: Dr. Jeremiah, I totally encourage this. You are able to achieve a higher profession when... Does this mean that doctors in entertainmentology falsified your degree i have heard people say that they have never heard of an entertainmentologist before
0: i I think both mine and the doctor's years of debt from from college would like to say otherwise and us falsifying our degrees thank you
1: yes i am a doctor I have my doctorate in an entertainmentology, but for some reason, people still think that's the weirdest part of this show, but having an interdimensional druid bent on world domination and helping me review movies, oh, that's totally fine, but... Oh, and yeah, SUNY Green Island's not a real place. Oh, 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 breaking the fourth wall here, people. Oh, oh, oh. like, entertainmentology is mm-hmm. not real. Let me tell you
3: something. I have been to both facilities, your Hudson Creek, your SUNY Green Island, and I will say this. You get lost in these campuses. They are very big, very wide, and it took me hours just to find the doctor's office and his lecture halls.
0: And I'm pretty sure the same the same person who built built the campus we work on also built labyrinths for torturing people.
1: A uh, fun fact here on the Dr. P.F. Jeremiah and his Infernal podcast. Not only did the man build campus, but build dungeons.
3: Dr. Jeremiah, my thoughts are, if you are able to just take these documents and say that you have a career in this, is he the only one that's ever done it? Has there been others? And how come it is so easy even back then? Is it, be, is it this traceability? Is it your lack of internet?
0: It's not... Easy, but it's not impossible. We've had we had a recent one here within the past ten years where a young woman from Russia pretended that she was this German heiress, and she had like these fake references, and she was able to get into like a lot of different debt and trouble. It's become a movie actually. I'll show it to you sometime, Angus. But. It's not necessarily easy. These people are very intelligent and there's a lot of records that you have to fake. And there's like, you also have to really be convincing. Like you can't, some of these things you can't just create. It seems like you could just type up a paper and oh look, here it, here it is. But there's like records and stuff. It was a little bit easier back then, but and it still is possible to do it now, but it's not <coughs> easy per se.
1: It's really not about the knowledge, but it's how well you sell the knowledge.
0: Yeah, that I think with any con person you have is because another con person, a very recent one who's currently as of. Us recording this podcast is has been in trials and stuff. Basically, she was very intelligent. She did have a company, but she basically lied about what her technology could do. And she convinced millions of people that she was this revolutionary genius.
1: Oh, is this the lady that uh, sold the magic pill?
0: It, it was like a device for like drawing blood that would get like all sorts of readings with one prick.
1: I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. the They did a biopic about her and Amanda Seyfried played her, right? Yeah. Okay, yep. No, you're talking but, about...
0: But that's, like, the whole thing, Angus, is, like, it's more... It's not necessarily easy to do all this stuff, but, like, it's this whole, you have to be charismatic, you have to sell this. Humans, we have a certain level of a BS detector we can tell with certain people when they're lying and it's also like you you got to be convincing you can't go and say oh I'm a doctor and then just do a bunch of things you saw on Grey's Anatomy that's not gonna convince anyone you know you have to be convincing
1: be fair. I mean, Frank basically watched a TV show, and he was able to pull it off.
0: Yeah, but to me that was that was very weird.
3: I would also like to argue. I have seen the Doctor's DVD collection of your Mash, and there was an interesting character named of Hawkeye. He, oh, Mash! I've seen the interviews. He was able to pass off as a Doctor. After he left the show, he knew all of the tricks and he didn't go to school. He only acted as a well, doctor.
0: So here's the thing, too, if, with actors, it's like there is a certain level of reality, but I'm more saying, with how I am and how me as a person, I couldn't. I've watched so many seasons of Grey's Anatomy and I've watched a bit of ER, but I couldn't possibly go into <clears throat> an operating room and pass off being. A doctor. I know?
3: I think we you could. Bobbitt, join me. We shall watch this Grey's anatomy. We will learn how to open up an individual, cut their insides, and then we will not <clears throat> fix them, though. We will devour their organs, and we shall acquire a Cregan, place it on the inside, steal it back up, and see if the body awakens.
0: This is my cue to go to the... But master...
2: Room. I already know how to do that, Master. I do not need a TV show to show me.
1: Does that mean, are you two each other's persons?
3: Dr. Jeremiah, I will tell you this. We do not own each other. We developed a bond. And in ways, yes, you could say I claim ownership over him. He is one of my generals but he is also someone I show respect to because respect is earned. And doctor, I will tell you this. Natalia has not earned my respect. She has earned nothing but this little piece of paper here that I wrote best friend on. It is false. It is not a real degree. Here you go.
0: Gee, thanks.
3: I even drew a little stick person of you lighting on fire
1: don't don't accept the gift with pride
0: i'll put it right up next to this picture that pj pj drew of him and bobbert uh making a catapult
1: don't don't feel bad he made a comic book of me a couple weeks ago where a dog's peeing on me
0: i i've just accepted this that like you know angus is going to treat me like garbage after seeing how he treats you like garbage and how he treats his his poor jay Venture guy like garbage
1: well, he's in Siberia now, so... He...
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm gonna give that that kid a cup of cocoa and a warm blanket when he gets back. You are too rough on him.
1: And he better bring me penguins.
0: You're too rough on him, too. What is wrong with you? Ever since he moved in, <clears throat> you've become slightly entitled. Just,
1: I just want penguins. He's going to all these fancy places. I just want fancy animals.
0: I'm judging you.
3: Bobbit! We shall arrange a penguin roast.
1: Don't eat penguins. Ah, yes, master. I believe I can find some penguins nearby. I'm pretty sure eating penguins is illegal.
0: So, can we get back to talking about the movie? I think this is a good time to start wrapping up.
1: I feel like we need to bring in Tom Hanks' character of Carl Handratty. um, The no-nonsense, straight-laced, stereotypical 60s FBI agent who throughout the entirety of this movie was the only one really dedicated to catching Frank. When Frank leaves his poor, lovely, beautiful wife at the Miami airport and makes a break for it to France, Carl finally catches him, and as he's flying him back from France to America, he's kind of pestering and needling him and needling him about this one thing. Frank was always curious about how Frank was able to pull off passing the bar exam he was just curious on how did he how did you do it Frank how did you do it Frank how did you cheat cheat on the bar exam in Louisiana how'd you do it
3: I must say that is the one admirable thing he was able to just study for two weeks and suddenly he was in a way qualified to be one of your defense attorneys
0: but so here's my thing though like with with Frank with with Frank Jr. is he is indeed very intelligent is he's definitely very much in analyzing and he like he and he analyzes everything around him the way that he was able to pull off being a pan like faking himself as a pan am pilot was literally he was like pestering the guy at pan am of everything about how pan am works and but
1: like, i mean it also helps that you know being a it's easy to pretend to be a 15 year old kid writing a News, uh, paper for your school when you are a 15 year old kid like that's perfect camouflage for you know being being deceptive about like your con
0: but like at the same time it's like the fact that like he he faked all of this by being knowledgeable and being like being analytical and just like watching everything around him and surveying everything around him and, like, he, there's no doubt that he was not a smart kid.
2: He was doing his research, studying his enemy.
0: He was. Like, yes, Bobber, exactly. Like, and, and that's the one of the things that I can bring over to you guys coming from a <clears throat> realm where there seems to be, often be some war of <clears throat> some kind. How do you win at being generals? You guys are not, I, I honestly don't think you guys could possibly be able to be stupid and be as successful as you guys are.
2: That's because we are fierce.
3: Natalia, let me tell you something about charisma. It's not about being the most effective leader. It's about sending the message. You want to send the message that you are trying to free a realm from invading forces.
0: But you're able to send that message by being charismatic and by being having a powerful presence, which obviously you are You're terrifying.
3: Let me ask you this question, is it all about being terrifying? It is about looking the person in the eye, observing what they're feeling. You feel their awe, you feel the emotion they give. You look them straight in the eye and you become empathetic. Empathetic to their cause, empathetic to what they need. And then you manipulate it to what you need. And therefore you are able to gain their trust Their sympathy, their loyalty to your cause, and they will come to fight for you. That is how you build the leadership. It is not always fear. It's just the doctor is just an easy pushover, and I am able to manipulate him easily.
0: But with that all being said, Angus, that's also trait trait set, was how Frank was able to succeed at being a con man.
1: Um, I'm not a pushover. Quiet, doctor! (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: Anyhow, you stop harassing the doctor, Dr. Grow is fine. You'll be okay in the morning. Um, You are, in a way, one could say that you and Frank are very similar, where you guys are both, you're both very intelligent, and you obviously have this skill, and if you, you have this skill for charisma, and you use this. For your advantage to get what you want, in your case, you're using it to win a war or fight this war with your sister and whatever. I don't always pay attention. It's beyond me. But he's using it to make money so he can live a nice, comfortable lifestyle, which is not far off from the lifestyle he had when he felt like his family was happy. And I think part of that, too, like all goes back to why does Frank become a con man despite being so intelligent? Is there something he wants and he thinks based on the behavior model to him by his father that this is how he gets what he needs? And I would actually like to talk about going back into Tom Hanks' character is I would really like to talk about how we all view that relationship because from even the very beginning of where on christmas day he literally calls carl and gives away his location doesn't even lie to it's be, a loneliness to, but
1: to be fair it is one of those where you don't want to believe he's telling the truth because you think it's a de- he's being deceiving and trying to trick him where he was actually being where like you're saying he was actually being honest whereas but like carl was trying to think three steps ahead and be like oh no you don't want me to like, you just want to have me get, like, a 100 agents to go to this hotel on Christmas Day.
0: But, like, also... So, my whole thing is, like, I feel that sometimes you... Like, this movie also shows that you cling to a certain person to, like, fill a void. And, like, I think certain people here at this table may be clinging onto a certain death hand to fill a void and... This is a safe space, Bobbert. You can you can talk among well. I won't call major and Doctor Jeremiah friends, but search your feelings, Bobbert.
2: What are you getting at?
0: Are there family issues? Like what? Why do you cling on to? Why do you cling on to Angus so much?
2: I am indentured into servitude to the Lord Deathhead.
3: I will tell you a story. Long ago. Bobbit and I once faced each other in combat, demonic foes that lasted for, I would say, at least three infernal years, trial by fire, trial by earth, nothing but bare bones to the end. After an intense battle, lots of bloodshed, he ended up on the ground, and my sword bloodied at the hand. After that, we build a mutual respect. I have not had a glorious battle in combat in ages. Him and I developed a respect for one another. I looked him in the eye and I said, join me. Join me in overthrowing Asmodeus. The Cregan Empire must fall. We shall start in the realm of Grindaria. We will reclaim it for our own. And then we will go, and we will return to the infernal plane and smite my father once and for all. Wow. How did we get onto
2: this conversation?
0: I, I, don't I thought know. we were
2: talking about a movie of fraud.
0: Well, let, let's... How about we use this as a not-so-great segue over to wrap up, Dr. Jeremiah?
1: Well, thank you there, Natalia. I'm glad you brought me into this. Now we get into the ending... When, as we stated, Carl caught Frank and in his last ditch effort, when he unfortunately found out on the plane that his father unfortunately died while falling down the stairs and broke his neck, Carl really only lose like Carl coming to the realization that the one parent that he really cared about was no longer there. He kind of just snapped from reality and somehow managed to escape the plane through a toilet, which, you know, very impressive on that by itself. And shimmied down the landing gear wheels, which also very impressive because it didn't... He didn't wind up getting sucked in to the engine or ran over by... Yeah, that
0: that logic is completely lost on me, but...
1: And then... And then going to the only family that he has left, his no good mom, seeing that basically she almost, it almost seems like she's forgotten about him as she's with James Brolin and now apparently having a, what looks to be a six, seven year old daughter, which is Frank's stepsister and just kind of, you know, waving and, you know, tapping on the window and all this, you know, very friendly, childly interaction we see the swarm of police with carl and all the other fbi agents going to get frank and kind of frank coming to the realization that it's all over and he didn't want to see have his mom see him be arrested by these fbi agents he unfortunately winds up being locked away in basically a 12 years in isolation which from the looks of it looked basically about the size of my closet Excuse me, Doctor. I think that whole scene was he didn't want to
2: disturb her because she clearly had moved on and forgot about him all along.
1: I will agree with you that that pretty much seems like that's what the situation was, is that her Abigail life is no longer existent. And she has this new life with her new husband and her new child. But
3: the bright side is he is able to form a fatherly relationship with Carl. After being offered a job with the FBI, this movie ends with the two forming an unlikely bond over trying to find out how to stop fraud activity.
1: I do want to give major props for Frank. he was able to look at a couple of those checks that Frank was looking at and instantaneously could spot everything that was wrong with those checks.
3: Exactly. This is a movie that I appreciate because you were able to just take your life of crime and use it to help the government and your new friend Carl to find the evil ones that are falsifying documents and getting their free money.
1: Well, to be perfectly blunt angus that's pretty much who the fbi goes after is just basically world-renowned criminals who they catch and somehow are managed to flip them to work for the fbi and basically betify and prevent any sort of way that future crimes can no longer happen in that scenario and just basically look at frank one of the best check forgers of all time and now works for the federal government on how to prevent check frauds and at the end of the movie when they're going over all the stuff, all like the, the credits and like the, the final biographical, he actually got paid by the U S government millions upon millions of dollars for all his, uh, check fraud preventions. So his, his crimes actually turned into some sort of net positive for him,
3: which is amazing. Your federal butt itches are Mm. basically a second chance program to uh, begin a new life. A new chance to do good for your society. But I also must ask Bobbitt,
2: Natalia, what are your thoughts on the movie? As it was portrayed as a true story, some of it seemed a little far-fetched.
1: It didn't seem like
2: it was timeline right.
1: Well, to be fair, yes, that is kind of one of the problems whenever you do a movie based on a true story, is that there are certain things that get cut out and certain things that get fluffed up to kind of pad out your however long movie you're going to be. I'm pretty sure they couldn't cover everything from beginning to end of the Frank Abagnale Jr. story, (laughs) but they covered at least enough of it to where the audience can get the full story of, you know, how he became this and how, where he's at now.
0: I I think for me is like, it's, it's a, not by any means it's it's not a bad film it's not even one of the worst films i've watched here for your podcast um but it's definitely you can tell that they at parts definitely try to embellish the story and i I think that it kind of is a, a nice story about like turning your life around and also showing this whole story of this this care this true life person. It's by no means a movie that I have any desire to watch again. If I think after this is it's a one and done for me, but it is a it is a movie worth checking out.
3: And I agree with you, Natalia, which oh, is really? yes. This is one of those movies that is a one-and-done. It is an okay movie. It was one of those that plot was very basic. Not a lot of in-depthness except for your Frank character. And I have no urge to ever see this again. I will say once again, it was not bad. And Doctor, your final thoughts.
1: Well, being the fact that I was a teenager when this movie first came out, I actually remember getting this on DVD at the time, and I actually watched this movie many, many times because I really enjoyed this movie from beginning to end. I mean, I was a big Steven Spielberg fan. I was a very big Steven Spielberg fan growing up. I was more into the uh, early 90s Spielberg stuff like Jurassic Park and uh, all his... uh, animated cartoon shows, but anyway, I'm digressing. Let me get into my final thoughts. This was a very interesting movie to watch. Steven Spielberg has always been known for his fun and entertaining blockbusters, but also was very great at making great dramatic films. And Catch Me was really good at blending both of those scenarios and forging them into one really solid movie. Um, the main th- the main selling point of this movie was obviously Frank Jr.'s story of how this young boy was able to fool and rob many people at such a young age and was portrayed as really honestly the sad, sympathetic character. I know normally a lot of the times with movies like this, it kind of can be viewed as uh, Hollywood is glorifying a criminal, but it's really more along the lines of just kind of looking at a a sad scared young boy who was just very confused about losing his parents and we can all kind of understand that scenario of like going through divorces and also it really goes into showing how well the writing of this movie was handled and done I also really enjoyed the style of this movie this was a very cool this was very sleek this was definitely a movie that was a tribute to the late 60s kind of movie and how it was just this glossy lavish lifestyle um top tier acting from everybody in it but when your movie consists of having leo tom martin sheen and christopher walken you basically can get a you basically those actors can basically sleepwalk a great performance um an amazing score but like we said in the beginning when your score is done by john williams what do you expect overall catch me if you can is a fun popcorn movie everyone can enjoy. I do suggest seeing this. And now that
3: we have done this, bonnet,
1: I have a suggestion.
3: <clears throat> it has been a very long time that we have all gathered in a party and go on a dungeon quest. Why don't we go and acquire ourselves a fortune, a vast fortune that we can shout to the heavens and then spread our wealth to those who are earning of our money? Ah,
2: Master. Anywhere you go, Master, I will be with you. Come, Doctor. Let us
3: go. Let us go and acquire us a vast fortune where I can use this money to replace all of Mr. Madovich's damages to his building and also buy off his need to kick us out.
1: Are we going to get Jimmy a new, uh, new Commander Barkers? We can work on that
3: this is a breaking news report a bank was just bombed and robbed in downtown troy on second street police are now in pursuit in what appears to be a wolf and two teenagers wearing paper lunch bags on their faces we now go to gabrielle who is on scene thank you tony Just as you said, we are in pursuits of what appears to be two individuals riding a giant wolf. Conditions are becoming critical as it is getting harder to see through this fog. We are going to have to retreat for now, but police are telling everyone to lock your doors and to assume these suspects to be armed and dangerous.
0: (sighs) I'm going to bed. This day just doesn't end.
1: What's up people? This is your friendly neighborhood, Jeremy, who plays your friendly neighborhood, Dr. P.F. Jeremiah.
3: Hello, hello, hello. I'm David. And I play Angus the Death Hand.
0: Hi, I'm Nancy, and I'm married to David. And most of the time have Jeremy around, and I play Natalia.
3: And we would like to introduce our special guest,
2: Goose. Goose. Hey everybody, I'm Goose. I play Bobbert, the loyal servant to the Lord Deathhand.
3: We'd like to thank him for coming on our show and we would also like to let Goose give a special message.
2: Not only am I do I play the lovable Bobbert. I am also one of the co-creators of COJ roleplaying and at the present moment are starting our second season. Um uh, uh yay! you can reach us anywhere on social media uh we also have all our first season on youtube under coj role playing and we also have all our seasons or our first season on pretty much all the major podcast sites
1: so when you have time go to a show do everything you can to watch like subscribe follow. All that that fun social media stuff that uh, that we podcasters feed off of. And while you're at that as well, make sure if you're not following along on our Facebook page, give us a like, and give us a follow on our Facebook. And
3: as always, you have yourselves a merry day.